Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome or welcome back to Snow Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and nosy diehard fans of the golden age of prime time. I'm your host, Jack, and we're viewing reviewing the soapiest, suziest, primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It is a Falcon Crest type of day. We're going to review the latest episode, season three, episode nine, and decide what I really think about this. They're dragging their feet a little bit, I'm going to be honest with you, but that's okay. We came here, we're doing the good, the bad, the whole, and the public, giving you all the tea on these iconic soaps. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids, hey, 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 I don't care if it's summer. I don't care. Be quiet, listen. You can play outside or out of sight. Tell Bay, I'm not in the mood for any questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25-35 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot, whether you're at church, the mall, work, school, whatever. Y'all can be cool, y'all can be quiet, or you will be kicked out because I'm listening to my stories. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lord. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome or welcome back to Soap Lore. If it's your first time joining me, thank you and welcome. Prepare to be mesmerized. A little bit of housekeeping before we get too deep into today's episode. The Vintage Soap Opera Social Club is fully underway. I'm working on a page. I'm working on a couple different things, but I'd like you to join me on there where we can discuss not only this show, but other shows. Anything you would classify as a primetime vintage soap opera, whether it's a regular drama or even a comedy, as long as it's a little bit soapy, I think that's perfectly fine. I ran into, well, not ran into because I was watching tele. I was watching TV. Here's a weird thing. Even though I'm a TV kid, as time has progressed, especially those of you who are zillennials, millennials, X, you understand that you don't really sit down at 7 p.m. like we had to do back in the day and watch your TV in real time. What we do now, we stream everything, you set your DVR, you do the things. Now, back in the day, yes, I absolutely recorded everything. I recorded making the band. I recorded all those shows, but I find it now that I'm pretty busy throughout the day. So I generally start watching TV around like 8.30 at night, between 8.30 and 1. Yeah, sadly, I still stay up. Summer has always kept me up for years, but it it just started to remind me of um, the fact that we used to have to sit and record these things in order to catch up and we don't have to do that now. So a lot of times, if I'm not, if I'm all caught up on the shows that I would care to watch those that come on before I decide to start watching TV. I generally like binge those on a Saturday. I don't watch those during the week for whatever reason. I guess it's just tradition. I'm a creature of habit. I'm grown now sliding into 40. So, you know, I do things a little bit differently, but I happened to catch CNN. You, you know, they did like those series. I love a documentary. If I've never mentioned that before, I love a documentary because I love learning about other people. So, CNN has had series for years where they've done like the 60s. They'll go through that full decade. They'll go through the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. They did the 2000s, but then they did the 2010s. 2000s and 2010s, and they called the 20... I'm going to mess this up, so let's just do both. It's either the 2000s or the 2010s as the platinum age of prime time. And immediately, that made my hair stand on end. I have fully invested myself into all of the television from that time, which was the birth of reality TV as we know it today. It was actually reality TV before they started scripting it. 
platinum age of prime time. So it just made me all the more eager to finish up and enjoy the golden age of prime time so we can compare and contrast. Immediately, I can say watching a scripted primetime soap opera and then watching a semi-scripted primetime reality show, I still prefer the vintage for a number of reasons, which I'll get into on a bonus episode. We're sliding into the summer months. Last summer, I had a blast doing these shows. It was just, it was easier. There's not as many responsibilities. I find even as an adult in the summer, I still find a way to fully enjoy it. Yes, I'm not going to the park or doing whatever, playing outside like we had to do back in the day, but I'm enjoying myself in different ways. So at the time of this recording, this is right around Memorial Day if you're in the States. Otherwise, in the world, it's, you know, the end of May. We're sliding into the summer months. I'm going to give you guys more shows. I have decided that I will record as early as I can, watch as many shows as possible. And let's just pump this out. Let's get this vintage primetime soap opera social club on and popping. We're starting off with season three, episode nine of Falcon Crest, which is called the Chameleon Charades. And it appears that Cole has finally found his spine, if you will. He's going after full custody of Via Melissa's baby, Joseph. I don't have any predictions for this show. I got to be honest. Falcon Crest usually has the biggest bang for their buck, honestly. If you watch, I mean, we're only on episode nine and we have that Chase has been, he was a paraplegic. He can fully walk now. His daughter left, not important. His wife is not that important. Cole is in love with some new girl, which is just not that interesting to me, if I'm being perfectly honest. We're going to do another one of those episodes where I'm watching this in real time. I'll come back through halfway through the show to give you my opinions on what's going on. But the Dr. Landry angle is really interesting because he was the one feeding the drugs. He was going to kill Chase. We need that sewed up and wrapped up. But I'm wondering to myself, will this show ever actually implicate Angela at any point? Because she is somewhat of a mastermind. Now, granted, she didn't want to chase. She didn't want Chase to be to die. But she did want him to be incapacitated indefinitely through medical means. Dr. Landry was happy to do so because she asked him. Had she never asked him, that would have never happened. So it's like at some point you have to start pointing the finger back in her. Julia is in prison, which is interesting, but she's not really in the mix of the other shows. So it's just, I don't know. Even with Richard, like Richard was was bank last season. He was everything. He was the reason things flowed the way that they did. He was the reason the story progressed along the way it did. We don't have that now. All we have is a hope and a prayer with Dr. Cousin showing up out of nowhere. He's going to get to the bottom of this. But what does that mean for everyone else? Do I really care about Cole? Not at all. Heartthrob or not. Guy who runs his finger through his hair or not. I don't really care what happens to Cole. I do enjoy Lance because Lance, Lance is the F boy of all three shows. He's absolutely the guy I want to see mess up. I want to see him win. I want to see him lose. I am more concerned with what Lance had for breakfast than I will ever be with what Cole does with the rest of his life. <sighs> I should tuck that in and keep my observations as as even as possible. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grab something bubbly to you today. I'm drinking regular Degler Schmegler, Tapa Chico, the lime flavor. We're sliding into summer. I hope to make so many juices and all the things, y'all. I totally visualize myself 
as this like carefree island girl, even though that's not my life. I'm going to invoke that for the summer. We just need to vibe. Grab yourself something fruity, something cold, something you wouldn't eat in December and just enjoy yourself. As we enjoy season three, episode nine of Falcon Crest called Chameleon Charades. Mm-mm-mm. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I don't think I've ever expressed to you the difficulty that I go through as the soap loris. I have to decide, listen, what does the audience want to hear? These are people who've never heard this. These are OG fans who are obsessed with the shows. What do I bring to you? And sometimes that's a difficult task. What information do I omit? What information do I reveal? On this episode, I'm not struggling. Let me just tell you that. I will say it's as if they heard me or perhaps I'm so in sync with television that it's like this should be the most climactic episode that we've seen thus far. And we are 19 minutes and 12 seconds in and I am thoroughly pleased. If you listen to the 100th episode, then you will understand the next few statements. Whenever a relative shows up out of the blue, you should put your hand over your pocket. You should keep your head on a swivel because no good is coming back. Maggie's sister has shown up out of the woodworks. And ladies and gentlemen, she's another blonde bombshell. She's young. She's not married. She has below the shoulder, above the bra hair. You already know what that means. She don't know who she is, but she showed up because she, she smells money. Jacqueline's new money has changed the entire chemistry of this show. One of the first scenes we see is Lance being, he's pressed. He keeps asking Angela, how could you, how would you let Chase have this much power? But ultimately, Chase does not need Falcon Crest money to make Falcon Crest decisions now. If he wants to buy a new pump, he can use it with his new multi-millions. If he wants to change the facade of the building, he can do that. He does not need to reach into Falcon Crest funds in order to establish the vision that he has in his head. It is a problem. Let me tell you what. The aviator Adonis has shown up. He's got new clothes. Please believe all of his new shirts have removed the first three buttons because he needs that fantastical 1981 hair to protrude from his chest. He's got on the freshest. He's got on the illest, the latest aviators. He's looking no one in the eye other than Cousin Michael. Now, he and Cousin Michael are absolutely convinced that like, yo, not only did someone try to kill me, there's a whole scheme behind this. Cousin Michael is presented with the opportunity to be chief of staff. He signs the papers and then he immediately starts talking his talk. He starts talking that ish, if you will. He signs the paper and he embarrasses the little man who brought the paperwork over to him. He's like, oh, okay, bet you thought that the guy that you fired was a problem. I'm about to be 50 times more of a problem. <sighs> There's other things going on here. I, I will leave some of them out. I feel like I have to touch base on everything at first, but I don't want to talk about it after this. So Chase, not Chase, what's his name? Cole. Cole actually got married to the little girl who works at the Italian bakery, whose name escapes me. I still have not cared to learn her name. I'll learn it eventually. She gets pregnant, I'll learn her name. But he got married to her last week in Tahoe. And 
you know, Auntie Terry shows up suddenly knowing about this. I don't know how she knew about this, but she shows up and she's like, well, I just want to see my nephew. I just wanted to check on you, Maggie. Things are new. Mm. It has nothing to do with that $20,000 new windfall she just got. <clears throat> my God. Mm. I decided to put tahini in my water. That was a really bad idea. Anyway, Terry is Maggie's sister. She's shown up because that new windfall is in front and center. And apparently Maggie sent she and Terry's father $25,000 so that he can go on some Swiss out vacation. He can go to Europe. He can do all the things he's always wanted to do. She sent him the money. And when Terry smelled that money, she's like, well, bet if there's 25000 there's obviously more. Let me go. Let me get on the first thing smoking. Let me get myself out to Falcon Crest so I can put eyes on everything and assess the situation that way. Meanwhile, Lance is you know, growing restless. He's, he's not really comfortable with Chase's new financial status. And he's talking to Angela about it. And Angela's had all she can take. So she's like, listen, baby boy. You need to be way, way, way more concerned with where your wife is and why she's spending so much time with Richard because I smell a rat. And Lance is immediately like, no, no, you're crazy. She's like, I'm 175,000 years old. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm also a woman. I am also a schemestress. I understand game recognizes game. So sure enough, Lance gets in the first thing smoking, i.e. his two-seater, and he heads to San Francisco, where he witnesses firsthand Melissa and Richard in the front of Richard's two-seater, driving in from a romantic lunch. So now he's faced with the reality that, dang, my wife has been cheating on me. Never mind the fact that I cheated on her the first year of our marriage, but it looks like she's cheating on me now. This is a 48-minute episode, so I'm going to go ahead and watch probably 10, 15 more minutes, and I'll come back on and let you guys know what's going on. Hey, guys, if you want to keep up with me in real time, you can join me on Freebie TV. It's within the Amazon Prime app, Falcon Crest. All nine seasons are available for free. Technically, they're not free because you're paying for Amazon, but free within the app. If you don't mind a few commercials, it's no big deal. They're 90 seconds long. Twice within the episode, you're going to be fine. Join me on this vintage soap opera social club extravaganza. Ladies and gentlemen, I had to jump back on because apparently Lance is an anomaly within the fictional television realm. He's a rich boy with hands. There's a bar fight including Terry, who's Maggie's sister, the guy named Rudy, who I've seen in a hundred different shows. He's so typecast. It's very disappointing. I felt like all the brown people are always like on their side, side kickery. But I've definitely seen this guy. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in a leading role. He's always leading a gang. He's always whatever. He's got the exact same hairdo, exact same everything. I'm going to look up his name and put it at the end of the show. But ultimately, there is a fist fight between Lance and the local yokels over the heart of the very, very inconsistent Miss Terry. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I am eating crow. I'm going to cease all predictions, at least for this episode, because 
it's been a it's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. Let me tell you two things. Bad bees know who they are. And you don't ever need to forget that. When a bad bee gets uncomfortable, this is the difference between an OG bad bee and a young one, i.e. Melissa and Angela. We'll get to that in just a second. That's number one. A bad bee know who she is. Number two, there's nothing like new money to make old money very, very uncomfortable. Whether you agree with me or not, you can understand that the fabric of this great country of America is that wealthy men wrote out statutes of limitations. They wrote out rights and rules and regulations, not necessarily for the masses, but for themselves to protect themselves from other powerful people. That's one of the things we tend to forget. The great thing about it is that, yes, we have um, addendums that have presented the rest of us with these rights, but when when I think about that and I look at shows like this and I think about the wealthy, there is a reason you put parameters in place because you can't allow just anybody to come in willy-nilly and destroy what you have built. On this particular episode, old money is very pressed about this windfall that Jacqueline and her very premature death left to the Giobertis. The Giobertis now not only have a good ranking and a good status within the community. They now have the money that Angela couldn't, I mean, it just, it just landed in their lap. They have the money now. They have the knowledge of how to run a vineyard. So there's this, this song and dance that's going on this entire episode. Now I mentioned before, I didn't want to talk about Cole, but unfortunately I have to. Cole's new wife AKA baby Shania. I refuse to call her anything else. I don't, I don't care what her name is. Baby Shania has managed to piss off Melissa. Melissa's all in her whole feelings about Cole being married to this new woman. So she goes over and she tries to contain herself. Melissa, that is, she's like, Hey girl, congratulations. But then before she knows, she's telling her off, telling her, guess what? You will never, ever, ever have custody of Joseph. Don't you ever even breathe my son's name. I don't care. You and your daddy and your cheap bread can get the hell out of my face. Basically, that's what she says. So new wife is like, oh, that's cute. So let me go tell my husband. And now we're going to go after full custody of Cole. What do you want to do about that? It's embarrassing. Now, I don't know about paternity laws back in the day, but I know today if you can prove paternity and if the husband or the man wants to be involved, then there's going to be a fight. It's going to be very ugly. And it's quite embarrassing, quite frankly, if you are two married couples fighting over custody because it implies that one couple is incompetent for one reason or another. Now, Lance is already in his feelings. Luckily, he met Terry at this bar. They had that beautiful bar fight. So he's now building a bond with her. He already knows Melissa's for the streets, which he knew from the giddy up. He just was attracted to her from one brief second. We all knew that wasn't going to last. But ultimately, he is on a new wave. But he is nothing. He has nothing on his grandmother, who is the original baddie. She's a bad biaha. And Melissa should take notes. So... Dr. Cousins is now the chief of staff. Dr. Cousins and Chase are actually good cousins. Now, although Dr. Cousins came in out of nowhere, he flew in, which would, if you listen to my last episode, 
potentially put him in the villain category. Here's a gotcha gotcha. I'd wet my whistles. <clears throat> he was summoned. He did not come on his own accord, and he has been trying since episode one to leave. Unfortunately for him, being a stand-up guy, being a studious man, being an exceptional doctor has all played against him. And people want him around. They're like, dude, we actually need someone with your talent. You're wasting your life doing all this research. You need to be chief of staff. You need to be running things. Why aren't you here? We need you. We need your expertise. We need that big, gorgeous brain of yours. And Dr. Cousin is truly reluctant, a.k.a. Michael. His last name escapes me. It's not important. He didn't want to be there. So he's an exception to the rule. He, Yes, he flew in. He's a relative, but he does not seem to be trouble. As a matter of fact, he seems to be one of the few people who took Chase seriously from the giddy up. From jump, he felt like something was off. So now he and his cousin are in cahoots. They're going to get to the bottom of why Dr. Landry wanted to kill him. Now, Chase, because he is a Gioberte, he has been there from the beginning. He knows that his auntie definitely sent his father over the side of a cliff like a flaming charbroiled burger to make sure that she could hold on to the ranch. He already has his suspicions. Whether he forgave her or not, yes, he did. But ultimately, he's like, mm. If you'll send a burning body over a cliff and you'll tranquilize your daughter to keep that quiet, I'm not going to put it past you that you would try to kill me. Now, what he doesn't understand, that the cold of bad bitchery, forgive my language, is that Angela has boundaries. Now, I won't. she won't kill nobody. Now, if you're already dead, she will absolutely manipulate a corpse. But will she kill you? No. Remember, she was super upset when she found out that Dr. Landry was trying to off her nephew. She was like, fool, I said, stop. I said, slow him down, not kill. I don't want him dead. What's wrong with you? So Angela, being the ever-present, she's an OG. She's running things. She has tight, short curls. She's never going to give away to frivolous thoughts. What she does is she's like, let me get in front of this. I'm going to be a full-on lady, and I'm going to invite everyone over for tea which is what she does. She sends she sends for Dr. Landry. She sends for Chase and Maggie. And they have tea on the porch where she and Philip put on, I'm not going to say an Academy Award worthy performance. They put on a comedic Emmy worthy performance, if you will. And they pretend not to know, like, oh my gosh, Dr. Landry, we did some discovering, we did some digging, and it looks like you were selling barbiturates to my nephew. You sold some to my my grandson. You got my great-grandson almost killed. You need to go to jail, dude. You are a drug dealer. We don't associate with drug dealers. So they absolutely wipe him off the mouth in one foul swoop. Now, Maggie, Dr. Cousins, and Chase are all sitting on the porch like you have got to be kidding me. But no, this is what old money does when new problems arise. The new money is sitting on the porch with their head in their hand. They're confused. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this. But the old money is like, baby, this is how we get through this. Unfortunately, the shenanigans don't stop there. Richard is having a new housewarming party. If you will recall, he was actually... Um, not necessarily kicked out of his old home, but because he and Chase are brothers, they inherited a, a great sum of money from Jacqueline. One of the, the 
um, reasons or consider, well, I don't know what to say. One of the stipulations is a word I'm looking for. Stipulations of them collecting the money was that Richard needed to move out of the house he was in and give it to Dr. Cousins, who was her nephew, her favorite nephew. And Richard would then be given a new estate. Well, his new estate is happening. So Angela has thrown a little get together to, you know, basically set up Dr. Landry and get him out of the picture. But Richard has also thrown a get together as a housewarming party. So he has anyone who's anyone within Tuscany Valley show up to his new crib and it is gorgeous. He's got the most breathtaking view of the valley. He's got his cousins. He's got his mom. No, his mom's dead. His dad's dead also. He's got his brother. He's got Angela. Everyone has been summoned to his new party. Well, sure enough, he's showing them the lay of the land. And towards the end of the episode, he's like, hey, let's look at something. Here's a free geography lesson. Chase, if you look to the right, that's all of your property. Isn't it gorgeous? Wow. Angie, to the left, there's all of your property. It's amazing. Wow. And they're just like, you know, Angela don't play, y'all. Angela has on her red polka dot. I didn't mention this before in any other episodes. Maybe, maybe not, I have. But when Angela wears that red and white polka dot dress, she comes for blood. She already knew this was going to be some bull. She already can't stand Rich, um, Douglas's bastard. So the last thing she wanted to do was show up like she was congratulating him. She put on that red dress to let him know she meant business. So Richard's like, yeah, this is your land. This is her land. But wow, I own the whole valley. I totally can't lose. Now, if you all recall within Jacqueline's will, part of the stipulation was that Chase need to be fully convinced by the end of, I can't remember if it's a year or six months, he needs to be totally convinced that Richard is his friend and not his foe. This seems like a counter move. This seems very... It's not intuitive. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the right thing to do if you're trying to convince your brother that you're really his friend. But we will have to wait until next week because the episode ends with the aviator Adonis and all his new Gucci and all the things sipping champagne, tossing it, taking it straight to the head like "Mm, I've been told y'all he wasn't my friend. That's it. That's all. Curtains roll. That's it for this episode. Hmm. Join me next time as we jump into a new episode of Dallas, Season 3, Episode 9. Don't know the name of it just yet. I'm trying to keep these reactions as raw, real, and uncut as possible. But what what did we learn today? We learned that old money has a better way of handling new problems. New money may be the death of old money. We'll just have to wait and see. Remember... Keep yourself hydrated. It's summer, so I'm not joking. If you're in the U.S. or the Western Hemisphere, it's summer. Keep yourself hydrated. Keep yourself moisturized. Mind your business and keep all of your drama on TV.